Voice of the Black and Amber, Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Chadwick's Kilkenny and Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM for Top Class Sport. Well, on Sunday the 7th of March, you're very welcome to Community Radio Kilkenny City's Talk Sport, our Sunday evening Talk Sport programme, and I hope you enjoy our next hour. Well, a lovely day outside it was today. Wouldn't it be nice to be out at a game? Well, we can only hope that the GA playing fields will become active in the not-too-distant future, and all the other fields as well for the soccer, rugby, tennis, hockey, all those people. But I noticed that the League of Ireland men and women's activities, they recommenced with friendly games over this weekend, so obviously that's elite sport. Well, we had awards galore last night for Kilkenny Camogie. We had six All-Stars. Full-back Claire Phelan, second-time winner. Left-half-back Davina Tobin, first-time winner. Midfield Grace Walsh, second-time winner. Left-half-forward Denise Gall, fourth-time winner. Full-forward Miriam Walsh, second-time winner. And left-corner-forward Anne Dalton, seven-time winner. Uh, well done to all of them. And, of course, Kilkenny boss Brian Dowling was named Manager of the Year. That award was won by Anne Downey in 2016. And Denise Gall picked up the Camogie Player of the Year. Uh, Well-deserved, too. She also won it in 2016. Well, 18 Kilkenny players have won the Player of the Year award. That's over 16 years because the Downey Twins and Angela did jointly won in 86 and 89. Interestingly, Gemma O'Connor is the most awarded person in All-Stars. She has 11 awards, so well done to all of those. We'll have a lot more on the Camogie Awards tomorrow night on the TC Towers World of Gaelic Games. So well done to everybody there. Well, we had, uh, during the week, we saw a slitter from the 1939 Thunder Lightning final was sold for 750 euro how about that did we back in, the, in 1939 did I think that would be happening to it with the split season now over and the GA now accepted in the GA the CPA has folded its tent the week this week saying that their work is done well during the past week the Kenny lost a great promoter of Gaelic games uh, with the death of uh, Seamus O'Connor from Castlecomer Community School well, Seamus had a long association with the school and was principal for the past 15 years. And during that time, Gaelic games went from strength to strength in the school with hurling and camogie teams winning many titles. I'd be playing a chat I had with Seamus from this exact weekend two years ago when the school won the All-Ireland B Camogie final. And I imagine my first guest, who will be coming up in a moment, will also like to pay his own tribute to Seamus. Well, later in the programme, Liam Kelly O'Rourke, after the first break, will be with us with all the weekend sport. And those of you who are watching that Manchester Derby, United are two up, so they're doing well. He'll also tell us how the Rangers won their 55th uh, league title and the first in 10 years when Celtic only drew today. So they'll be coming up around after 20 past six. A tough week for race horse, uh, race horsing, uh, the horse racing, I should say. And we now know that Denise Foster will assume training duties at Gordon El- um, Elliott Stable for the next six months. Racing today was in Leopardstown and Scott will be with us later to chat about to, with all the results. Well, in this evening's soapbox features, what have we got? Barry Henriquez casts his eye over the 1972 Kilkenny GA yearbook and recalls some memorable occasions and people, while Liam Kelly O'Rourke is fed up with the cross-channel soccer on TV and the overloaded punditry on every game. Oh, I think there just might be a kickback from one of our sports team to Liam's comments on next Tuesday evening's Offside Soccer. Well, my first guest coming up in a moment is Ned Quinn, who was elected to the GS Management Committee at last weekend's GA Congress as one of the association's two trustees. Ned, of course, has just completed a very successful three years as National CCCC Chairman, and he, of course, he will also continue as Kilkenny Central Council Representative. And around 6.40, I'll be joined on the phone all the way from New York by Joan Henshey, the chairperson of New York GA, 
Joan is the first woman to hold that position and with Larry McCarthy installed as GA president last weekend, the GA and the Big Apple is now buzzing with excitement. Don't forget our taxback our taxback.com text line if you want to get messages into us 0863537782 and if you miss anything on these programs and sports programs in particular you can get them all within a day or two of them going out on air on the SoundCloud platform. Well now enough of my blathering now so it's my um, honour to welcome onto the program Ned Quinn who was elected last weekend as a trustee of the association and I know I texted you Ned but uh, we can now officially say on the airwaves uh, well done and congratulations and, and I hope you enjoyed the next three years. Thanks very much, Nicky. Yeah, I yeah. deem it as an honour not just for myself but for my club, Munkayan, and indeed for Kilkenny. Yes, and so and so it is. Well, in fairness, I think it was one that was coming uh, for some time. Um, whatever lies ahead, we might talk about the situation where we have it now, but let's look back on your three years um, in terms of the CCCC. Of course, you had a horrendous final year trying to organise games in the circumstances with COVID around. Yeah, well, I suppose the first two years were, were very enjoyable. I, I, obviously, you're on the, you're focused on games all the time on the CCC. I know you have to deal with the discipline as well, and I wasn't too keen on doing that, which was part of my duty to do it. But uh, I must say we're very lucky with the people that were on CCC with us, uh, all of the people, the principal secretaries, uh, and, and then uh, particularly Fergal McGill and Bernard Smith from Crow Park. I found them to be two excellent people to, to, to deal with. Uh, as regards the pandemic, well, when that came, there was no playbook to follow, so we never dealt before with a complete shutdown in the association. Indeed, the whole country was shut down, as you know, so, and we didn't know how long it was going to be. But overall, I think with the great cooperation of our players, you know, who trained and played without access to dressing and showers or officials at club level and county level, I think we as an association did well get the majority of our county championships and all Ireland championships played and, and to do so safely. Yeah, well, well, there's no question about that, and you deserve enormous credit because it certainly was a, a, it was uplifting for people during a time when the country was really in, down a fair bit uh, because of the uh, pandemic. Looking back over the over the number of years, look at like we all know there are challenges out there, but I think by and large there's a there's a fair level of cooperation, and the fact that the national CCC is is fairly well respected now. Yes, there'll be hiccups about why games are being played here and there or not being played in other locations, but by and large it's uh, it's fairly well run now. With as you just said, with a good administration crew behind it in Croke Park. Very much so, Nicky. Yeah, I couldn't speak highly enough of, of, of the Croke Park people. And the people I mentioned, Fergal and Bernard, and the other people working with them. And, uh, you know, the provincial secretaries, I know people in full-time positions, we te- they tend to come in for a lot of criticism, but I found them first class, and certainly they all have the, uh, the association, you know, what's good for the association is, is central to everything that they do, and you're right when you say that we'd be always cribbles about a venue for a game or so and so. But when you go to the reasons behind the venue being chosen, uh, you'll you find that very often it was the only venue available or, or the most obvious venue to be to, for where the game to, play, to be played. So uh, again, you know, the appointing referees and dealing with discipline is the side of it as well, particularly the discipline side of it. I, I found that sometimes difficult because by nature I would be a player's man and I wouldn't ever like to see players suspended and certainly not suspended for, for a long for a long time. I think from that point of view we got through the three years without any 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 great fuss or bother. We try to 
treat each player as they came before us as fair as possible. Yeah, and I think in fairness to the last three years, we, we've seen, we've hardly heard uh, those three letters DRA mentioned at all, which is probably, uh, which is good for the association's point of view, and it, and it probably means that cases are being dealt with and players are accepting of these, the ultimate decisions. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I would say my experience of players coming in to, to uh, their meetings to be dealt with from a disciplinary point of view, they were always very honest about what had happened in the game. And the other thing that I always noticed, to me, they were all very young people, young men coming in who were given their time to play in the games, uh, but clubs and uh, with clubs and with county teams. And, and I, I always took that on board. That also, the fact that each of these guys were going back to work in the morning and needed to be treated with respect from that point of view as well. Yeah, like myself, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of games over the years in both codes, and I suppose you've just reflected on a very good point there. Our inter-county horrors and footballers now are much younger than they were in the past, proportionately. You know, you had a lot of older players in playing into their 30s. That's less the case now, so you have a lot more students coming in, so that, that is a factor as well. Very much so, yeah, it is. You know, the old saying is a young man's game, but it's certainly a young man's game at the moment. There are the exceptions, of course, but uh, generally those players don't get into trouble. But a lot, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the difficulties that players get into in, in games are over-exuberance and things like that. But I don't think any player sets out to, to, to uh, commit a foul or to do any damage to his opponent. But sometimes that just happens in the game. But, you know, I like to think that we treat all of those very fairly. Both club players and... Uh, uh, what's your hope Ned for uh, for 2021 of course we're all waiting to see what decisions will be made by the government stroke Neffet and the J has a very active COVID committee as well but yeah. what is your hopes that over the next uh, couple of months I think one of the best decisions the J made Vicky well set to appoint their own COVID committee I think they have served the association uh, tremendously and uh, they've been a great help to everybody trying to formulate fixtures etc I, I think uh the way that that we had it, I'm as you know finished with CCC. Of course, yeah. Now, but just before we finished up, we had a, a plan in place which saw truncated uh, National Football League, which will the groups of eight are divided into groups of four, and there'll be three rounds and, and a semi-final and final. So, if we did get going five five weekends, will we will complete that? And uh, in hurling, while we had groups of six, we were discussing whether we would go. Uh, Three, uh, four threes or three fours it's going to be truncated in some shape or form yes. to reduce the number of games required as well so if you could get back playing in May uh, we should be ready to go with the championships in, in, in June, July and finish uh, the All-Irelands in August but that's COVID dependent and probably at this stage vaccine dependent as well in terms of attendance at games I think it would be very in the beginning at least be very similar to the past year where it would be very very limited if any spectators is allowed and even if you got permission to go back I'm sure it will be again uh, on a social distancing and mask bearing level and for instance in Nolan Park then you'll probably have less than 3,000 people allowed in and in Crow Park I think the sums were done and I think it comes out of seizing the hill which would convert it around 20 or 1,000 and you can just imagine how valuable the tickets for those yeah. games are going to be called. Absolutely. Ned, the split season was the, was decided, and I suppose perhaps it was coming, but clearly COVID has, I suspect, has accelerated the decision. Now, it's probably not going to be particularly evident, really, until 2022, as so many life gets back to normal, you've, because you've explained about 2021 and the difficulties that are there. But the split season, um, your, your own views on that? 
while I think there was an almost inevitability about it uh, from our experiences in, in, in 2020 that we were going to have this disease, and it was on the agenda in any case, but there was nobody going to oppose it. Having seen in reverse, I suppose, the club going first and being such a great success, and you know, I, I don't think we should. You know, I have to acknowledge that the, the work that clubs put in. I experienced it in my own club. I'm sure you experienced your own club. COVID officers with every team. Yeah, very much. Uh, so. Limiting the number of people allowed to to, to to go to games. Limiting the players themselves. Uh, not using any dressing rooms or showers or anything that were considered to be absolutely essential previous to that, but all filling in their return to play forms as required. And it was absolutely fantastic. And of course, the work the clubs did uh, in their communities can't ever be forgotten either. But like, uh, I think the success of the club, the club season was really what pointed up the, the going with the split season, I know, albeit in reverse. Look, it's something that's not going to be without its difficulties, I'm sure. Uh, it's very important that the club season would actually be from probably April to to late late September for the county championships, rather than just kicking off in August, in July when when the county season is over. I think that's going to be the key to the success of it and how clubs approach the secondary leagues, as we like to term them, yes. uh, will be crucial to, to to the success of the state season, in my view. Yes, absolutely. By the way, there's just a text in from your our, our good friend to us all, Jim Rohan, wish congratulations you on your, uh, oh, your Jim. election. Jim is a regular, a regular here every yeah, programme yeah, we have here. Yeah, what, what a supporter. What a supporter, absolutely. Ned, of course it means that, uh, well, you still wear a Kilkenny hat in the fact that you're the Central Council rep, but it probably means that counties like Kilkenny have to rethink maybe how the first half of the year is going to be, uh, you know, filled up from a club perspective. So counties have a little bit of thinking to do, while other counties who have more than 16 in their senior championships after last weekend have perhaps even more thinking to do. So county boards are going to be occupied coming up with the best systems to fit into the, the new model. Yes, indeed. But I, I think our county board, and in particular our CCC committee under the chairmanship of PJ Kenny, showed their metal uh, in the pandemic when they reorganised the competitions uh, that we had and the championships that we had last year and succeeded in getting the vast majority of them played out to a conclusion. So, you know, I think there is an, an ability to adapt and change. And as I said earlier, the key for the club to me is, first of all, you don't go back training in January or February, which I kick it off. In my view, it should kick off in April with, with secondary leagues and uh, junior the, ju- the various junior grades and the various competitions, you know, junior junior A, junior B, C, D. And uh, I think if, if, that's, if the clubs take those games without their county players uh, seriously and play them as when they're fixed and arranged and keep them competitive uh, and then follow on into the championship in, in late July, I think the club player will be more than satisfied. He'll be able to map out his year, able to take his holidays, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, and know what's coming up. So, you know, it, that's the key to it in my view, that we have an, a very, uh, as long as possible, uh, season and that we keep club players playing up at least until September. Very much so, Ned. Just another text in from our good friend uh, Benjamin Neesham on the Isle of Luce off the coast of Scotland. Our most passionate Kilkenny supporter is Benjamin and he just wants to send his good wishes to you also and thank you for all the work that you've done. But in terms then of the uh, going in then to the club scene starting in July, clearly young lads in third level college who are thinking of J1s, it's going to impact them a bit so inevitably some people have got some hard calls to make when time comes they have indeed yeah and there's a there's a the, there's a motion down for a special congress which should be of interest to uh to clubs especially to um 
to junior to intermediate and junior clubs because if a player goes if this motion was to go through and the player goes to play in say New York uh, he loses his status uh, for the for, for the for the year he becomes a senior player all right and uh, now it's not just, that's just one is on, on on for special congress and I've been watching that with interest myself yeah well clearly clubs will I'm sure will yeah, be as well even yeah. aside from, aside from that I think COVID will still have an effect on travel in 2021 and certainly 2022 as well I would imagine that you know that rush to America was so badly affected by yeah, COVID no I think COVID. I think you're right and we'll be talking but to the chair thereafter it will become an issue of course it we'll be talking to the chairperson look before I let you go and unfortunately I'd love to say talk longer no, the fact that Kilkenny Ned are now the new junior football format is uh, is an opportunity it kind of goes back to the, in, the international minor football competition that was there a few years ago something akin to that Something akin to that, I think what's wonderful about it is that the New York team will be comprised completely of native-born players. I think that's that to be fantastic. And the other thing, I think, to add a bit of glamour to it is that it's intended to have the final played in front of an All-Ireland football semi-final. So, uh, well, that'll really give it, that'll that, that'll that, add a bit of status. That will it. give it some status. I, I, I do know from uh, talking to John Henchy during the week, and she'll be on with me later, that New York will be hoping maybe at some stage to play an occasional final maybe in New York. So, But that's uh, all for that'll be for another occasion and for others to decide. Who, it won't be for who, us anyway. Who, who will turn down that? Mickey? I know, absolutely. Uh, Look, Ned, I do appreciate it. Before, before I go, yes, because there's miles it. more I would like to talk to you about, but we'll get you back again to talk about oh, Kilkenny uh, Games development and that, but we have a packed programme. Go ahead, Ned. I, I, I just I want to congratulate the Camogie players uh, on their All-Star Award and, and, and Denise on our Player of the Year Award but, and to congratulate the, all of the Camogie team and Brian Dowling on their All-Learning success and secondly and sadly to, uh, to express my sympathies to the family of Seamus O'Connor I got to know Seamus during my time as County Chairman and the great work that he did in, 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 in promoting Gaelic Games and even more importantly in, allow, in allowing Gaelic Games to be promoted and we had a good partnership with them, uh, we did as a county financially aid the, the drainage of the pitches in the school, and they were always made available to us in return. So, to Seamus' Shames, family and indeed to the teaching staff in Castle Comer Community School. I'd extend my sympathies on his sad past. Well, that's very well said. And in fact, the interview that will be coming up shortly, which took place two years ago, he readily acknowledged the support he got from Kilkenny County Board in that interview. And that will be coming up in a short while. So, Ned, thanks for that. And we'll talk okay. again. No problem. Good bye now. Bye. The Voice of the Black and Amber. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Chatterbox Kilkenny and Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM for Top Class Sport. Yes, you're very welcome back to Talk Sport. We now head to Liam Kelly O'Rourke for the weekend's uh, sports roundup. Yeah, Nick, I'm going into hiding for a while. I can, I can well imagine you are. <laughs> God help you. God help you. Choose the night for all sorts of oh. reasons. All oh, politicky. Manchester United 2, Manchester City nil was the bullseye from the Etihad Stadium. A Bruno Fernandez penalty earlier on after just two minutes, and then Luke Shaw. Uh, popping up with a goal after 50 minutes meant Manchester City moved, uh, well, solidified their place in second place on in the table. Meanwhile, it's a completely different story from a Liverpool point of view. They went down 1-0 at home to Fulham, the uh, Wayside's goal coming just on the brink of half-time from Mario Lamina. In the other game today, it finished West Brom nil, Newcastle United nil, and we have one further game to come from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where they welcome Crystal Palace for a 7-15 kick-off. Uh, just looking at the Irish provinces in the Pro 14 this weekend, Munster had a 20 points to 17 victory over Connacht. Ulster uh, lost out to Leinster in the other interprovincial clash. It finished Leinster 38, Ulster 19. Uh, and the golf, 
Well, we have the Arnold Palmer Invitational, where we have Rory McIlroy and Porrick Carrington involved. So we'll see how they're progressing. Well, Lee, West, Lee Westwood is top on 11 under par, one shot clear of Corey Connors. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau is also tied for second on 10 under. Uh, in terms of Rory, well, he's tied for seventh on 7 under par, and he has, he's getting his round underway as we speak. While we have to go further down the leaderboard to find Parry Carrington, he's tied for 24th on 3 under par. Uh, in the ladies' PGA drive, there's also Irish participation with Leona Maguire tied for 11th on 4 under par. And of course, it's a, a news update, uh, Nicky, that Celtic fans won't want to hear, but their nil-all draw with Dundee United today means Rangers are the Scottish Premiership champions and any dream of a 10 in a row, well, it was dead for a while, but it was mathematically confirmed today. And for Rangers, it was their 55th title, which is the highest number for any team winning their respective uh, top championships. So there you go. So they will the celebrate long into the night. There you go. All right, Liam, thanks for that. And by the way, watch. you better keep an eye on the WhatsApps. I see the messages are flowing in for sport here. So you're going to get an uncomfortable evening from one Mr. Cashin and a few more, maybe into the bargain. The phone has been switched off. I'll go away with that. Good luck, thanks. Thanks, Nicky. OK, that's uh, Liam Kelly O'Rourke. Uh, not in the best of form after Liverpool losing today. Boy, did you ever see a team imploding the way they have at home. It's hard to fathom. Anyway, let's hear what Barry Henriquez has to say. He's going back to 1972. Trawling through GA yearbooks, more in inquisitiveness than anything else and being editor of the present yearbook for over 30 years I was interested in who the editor was when the GA yearbook concept was endorsed first presented and onto shelves it seems that the first edition was put together by the late great Peter Hulan, one of the best provincial sports journalists of his time this year the year was 1972 Mick O'Neill was chairman of the Kilkenny County Board. Paddy Grace was secretary. Pat Fanning was president of the GA, And Noel Skeen was on the cover of the first one in full colour. Oh yeah, it cost 40 pence. Work that one out for yourself. It was very much a private enterprise for the people who produced it. Of course the Kilkenny people were the printers. In his agoruckle, Peter said... A more appropriate year for Kilkenny's first year yearbook could hardly have been better chosen. It was certainly one of Kilkenny's most spectacular years in winning their 18 titles. Kilkenny shed further luster on a proud tradition. I couldn't have put it better myself, Peter. Tommy O'Brien was the handball guru at the time, God rest him. He waxed lyrical about a lad by the name of Paddy Riley who returned from emigration to England to win an All-Ireland title. That's Paddy Riley. He's not the singer, but could still hammer out a tune or two if he was asked. And another lad, Paddy Delaney. A youngster by the name of Pather Hughes was mentioned, as well as Eugene Downey. Johnstown were the first senior county champions to be pictured on the New Year book, winning their second county final, beating the unbeatable Bennis Fridge. Houlihan went gaga at the performance of one Pat Henderson in his brief commentary. Kilkenny's first win in 1906 against Cork and Carrick and Shore was remembered. It was actually the delayed 1904 final. All the legendary names were there for posterity. Fox Marr and Jack Rochford, Icy Lanigan and Drug Walsh, how often did we hear those names? Dan Stapleton, Sim Walton, Gerard Dohany and more. Father Tommy Marr and his sidekick, Mick Lanigan, featured in that first year book, those men were credited with revolutionising the game of hurling. Kilkenny had two flares on the first Leinster Railway Cup team in 1927, which beat Munster by 111 to 26. 
Henry Marr, that was Laurie's brother, was outstanding while John Roberts from the borough was no less brilliant. Seamus O'Brien wrote an interesting, for me at least, piece on Callan CBS. Interesting to read that two, Jim Egan and Jack Kickham, two former pupils of Callan CBS, were playing for Tipperary in Croke Park on Bloody Sunday. Everyone in the country will remember the photograph of Michael Collins throwing in the ball for the Leinster final between Kilkenny and Dublin in 1921 in Croke Park. Every Kilkenny man can name the Kilkenny players, but did you know what Collins said to the players before the ball was thrown in? He said, you're not only upholding a great game, but you're also upholding one of the most ancient and cherished traditions of Ireland. That's what the great man said. Hulan told how Ollie Walsh nearly went to play professional soccer in England. Scouts came to Thomastown, put him through a very rigorous test and indicated that he would be a first-team player in the first division, that's the Premier Division at the moment, within two years. He was only after winning the All-Ireland minor title the same year and he still opted for hurling. Peter Hoolan was a great friend of Paddy Gray, so not surprising the godfather of Kilkenny Hurling over a very long time as an All-Ireland winner and an administrator was well documented. It included a superb photograph of Grace congratulating the iconic Christie Ring after the 54 All-Ireland final. There would have been serious adversaries over a long number of years as well. There were advertisements for businesses long since finished trading. Like the Fox and Goose, Noel Roach's Tar McAdam and Concrete Business, XL Batteries and more. Another feature that read quite extraordinarily was a Brian Cody effort that has showed him holding the All-Ireland Minor Cup as captain. But more pertinently was the fact that at 18 he was the winner of an amazing 26 championship medals in all grades in hurling and football. Of course, St. Kieran's College were top of the class, if you pardon the pun, Nicky, having won the 1971 All-Ireland College just final with players like Brian Cody, Jerry Woodcock, Billy Fitzpatrick, Joe Reedy, Martin Gibbons, and the one and the only Nicky Brennan in their ranks. Back in the time, though, much talk reverberated around the ban. Well, according to the Kilkenny GA Yearbook of 1972, a snippet read... The Kilkenny Enactment Act of 1336 declares that the commons of the said land of Ireland be not used henceforth to play a game called hurling with great clubs. Surprising what you read and what you dig up in retrospect. Eddie Kerr got a technical award. Eddie Kerr scored a staggering total of 194 points in that year's championship in 72. What changes? Ramey Dowling had an advertisement for Star Hurleys on page 39. Ramey Dowling still has his advert in the Kilkenny J yearbook, which is now in the care of his grandson and great-grandson. That's nearly 49 years ago the first ad went in. The rail yard won the county senior football championship again for the 15th time. Someone wrote a story about the diamond head, but sure, so did I, Nicky, a couple of weeks ago, warts and all. Kilkenny Vocational School beat Cork in the All-Ireland Final. Players like Kevin Scrapper-Robinson, Murty Kennedy, Dick O'Hara, Sam Dunlop, John Knox, they were brilliant. But the star of the All-Ireland Final was a lad by the name of Pat Tracy. Yep, 
it was him who scored 1-1 from midfield or so the book said and Peter Hoolan was never known to tell a lie Thomastown won the Leinster under 15 vocational football championship a first provincial football championship of any sort in 61 years for Kilkenny names like Reed, Lennon, Lennon Caulfield, O'Brien and O'Hara were prominent the yearbook concept was the forerunner of what has since developed into a, a comprehensive record of all the matters GA within the Kilkenny County. The Kilkenny yearbook concept is Peter Hoolan's legacy to sports journalism, in particular to GA journalism in Kilkenny. It was the first of a kind. The Kilkenny GA yearbook has won national awards for the efforts to keep the GA at the forefront of sports endeavour in Kilkenny. It has developed in quantity, in quality, professionalism, in content, in value and distribution. That surely is a legacy that Peter Hoolan would be very proud of. Oh yeah, I said it cost 40 pence at the start. I worked it out, that was less than 16 cents. Yeah, that's our Barry with uh, this week's Soapbox. Liam Kelly O'Rourke, is he getting too much soccer? They say you can never have too much of a good thing. Well, it turns out you can. Since the emergence of COVID-19, the football powers that be in England decided that they were going to provide an extravaganza of football on television, and rightly so. With the closure of grounds, supporters needed the ability to view their side. I felt this was a wonderful gesture and bought into the spirit of a united front during the pandemic. However, 12 months in, with games coming left, right and centre, seven days a week, it has proved too much to handle. Even the casual football viewers finding themselves watching far more football-related content than they did prior to the virus. What was once a novelty is now proving tiresome. Just take Manchester United, for example. Listening to United supporters moan and groan once a week is now part of a previous world and a distant memory. As with the COVID situation, it means a never-ending cycle of headaches for other fan bases, as match days are so frequent and almost take place twice a week. How many more Panadol do us rational football fans need? I can't close my eyes at night without hearing an angry Jim Cashin bemoan Harry Maguire or call out a search party to locate Paul Pogba. And that is just one of many examples. Don't even get me started on Arteta's arsenal and their cohort of crazy supporters. For once I don't have a solution though. On the one hand, you can't morally stand by a paywall when fans can't access stadiums. But by the same token, if we keep consuming games at this rate... Come the return of normality, we may not want to see a ball again. Well, now, listen to, to Offside Soccer on Tuesday night, you will hear what Liam and Jim have to say about that. Well, I did mention at the start of the programme, and Ned Quinn referred to it as well, the late James O'Connor, uh, principal of Castle Corner Community School, whose sad passing took place during the week. This time, precisely this time two years ago, we were celebrating the winning of Castle Comer's Senior B Camogie All-Ireland Final, 2-6 to 0-7 against St Mary's of Nina, and I spoke to Seamus after the game. Seamus O'Connor, principal of Castle Cormac Community School. Weekends don't come any better than this, Seamus, with the, the senior hurlers winning yesterday and the, and the girls winning the senior V Camogie today. No, it's fantastic for the school, it's fantastic for everybody involved, the mentors. We've over 22 teachers involved in extracurricular games in Castle Comer, and uh, we were trying to have a double header, but I don't think the opposition wanted a double header. But uh, great thanks to the, the, the parents for turning out in large numbers up in Kildare yesterday for the Leinster final. We had a great win. 
it's a, it's a tough competition to win. Uh, we've won it in the past, but um, it really, really have you have to ping every game. You have seven, eight games to win an All Ireland Championship, and they're not easily won. And between the two teams, there's probably over 60 players involved. What does it mean to the school, and in terms of the rest of the players and the and the whole mindset of the school? Well, it means everything because the one thing that we have in Castlecomer, we have 550 pupils, and the one thing that we do is when the first years are coming in, we say to the parents, if your son wants to hurl, if he wants to play camogie, he will play camogie, and that's what parents are interested in, getting the opportunities for their kids in order to be able to play the the, the Gaelic games in their local community school and to to uh, represent the community school at uh, in all competitions in Leinster and in all Ireland and we don't cut panels in Castlecomer Community School. If the students train and they train regularly, they'll be on the panel. And that's the beauty of Castlecomer Community School and the smaller school. It's a big community school at, at, at 550 pupils and uh, we've all the subjects and we've all the sports there as well as top class students in the academics as well. And of course you have invested heavily in facilities over there and that's probably not, uh, one of the reasons why you're having such success on the playing field. Yeah, the girls love the bottom pitch and it's a sand-based pitch and uh, the running track is around it. We're going to open our new dressing rooms and we got great support of Kilkenny GEA over the years when we were um, wondering where we get the money to finish it. Kilkenny GEA and Leinster Council consistently came behind us and it gave us a great boost. Myself and Pat Murphy. Pat was the driving force for all the uh, for the development there along with myself and uh, you know getting the local, getting the 10,000 you know, from GEA over the years and we got more than that. You know, It was a great boost to Castlecombe Community School when we were being rejected in the lottery but um, we got some lottery money eventually and May will see the finish of the dressing rooms and it'll be a great asset to the people of North Kilkenny and to everybody in general that wants to play Gaelic games. Well Seamus, congratulations. A wonderful weekend for the school and long may the success continue. Yeah, we're delighted and uh, well done to the players and I want to thank the parents as well for supporting them and the grandparents who turned up here today uh, in Bor. We had to travel to Banagher and we were in Kildare yesterday. Great support from the parents, great support from the local community and the teachers involved. I just finished with the mention of the teacher, uh, Fiona Morrissey, uh, Kira Hula and Ted Brown is retired but he keeps coming back. Uh, he's coming back the last five or six years and also there's uh, Gavin Nolan who's who's heading Camogie in Castlecomer Community School and best of luck to the lads next Saturday in the All-Ireland semi-final Piero Donovan, Pat Tynan with the senior hurlers and hopefully uh, we can go on and maybe complete the double. Thank you very much James. Thank you. Yeah that was the late James O'Connor from a chat this time two years ago a huge huge loss to his wife and family of course and to the teachers and pupils of Castlecomer Community School Gunyena Diatroka Era Anim Yulish Bear Scott, the winners from Leperstown today. Yes, Mike, they started there at 2 10 of the first race was won by number 8, Max Flamingo, 11 to 2, the 2.45. This was won by number 1, French Dynamite, 7 to 1, on favour. 3.15, number 9, Royal Illusion, 13 to 8, on favour. The 3.45, this was won by She's Comanche, number 12, at 9 to 1. The 4.20 went to number 9, Steer Clear, 130. The 5, 4.50 went to number 4, Michuka, 130, joint favour. And finally, the 5.20 up there was won by number 5, Dark Raven, at 5.2. OK, thanks for that, Bear. Take okay, care. Thank you, Bear. OK, we'll take a break and we'll be back immediately afterwards. The Voice of the Black and Amber. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. 
Chadwick's Kilkenny and Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM for Top Class Sport. Yes, you're very welcome back to Talk Sport. You're coming to the last segment of the programme now and it's now my great pleasure to welcome to the programme all the way from New York, Joan Henshee, the chairperson of New York GA. Good evening to you, Joan. It's good afternoon over there with you. Hi, Nicky. How are you? Yeah, it's afternoon at this stage. Yeah, well, look at Joan. As I said to you the other night, sure, look at New York is the, is the centre of the world as far as the GA is concerned now. You're the first lady chairperson of New York. Larry McCarthy is the president of the GA. So um, the power is in New York now, Joan. Well, I don't know. Larry worked awful hard for uh, for, for um, his position. I mean, he's, uh, he, he's a force to be reckoned with, I suppose. I mean, the man is, is um, he's well-liked. He's very educated, and he has a really, really good grip on, um, on 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 club, I guess, and running the association here for the for his term and stuff. He certainly, uh, he's certainly no um, stranger to, I suppose, issues <laughs> for, for for the want of a better word. Oh, very much so. Look at I've known Larry for a long number of years. A most capable administrator has served New York extraordinarily well in his professional life. He's equally well qualified. But it is a great boost for the GA abroad, uh, Joan, to have uh, somebody from overseas. The first time it has happened, of course, but uh, Larry was probably the, the standout person for, for the last 10 years, if there was ever to be somebody from abroad. Yeah, I, there's no question. Um, I mean, he, he made his mark. You know, he anything he's ever put his mind to, he's completed. Um and it is great for, for diaspora overseas, there's no question. Um, I think it just shows that our association is fully inclusive regardless of whether you're living within the island or outside of it. The organisation has grown so much um, in the last 10 years particularly. Um, I mean, is there a corner of the world that we're not? Got an organ- that we don't have a club or, or at least some type of a, a, a set-up? Um, so our game is our game is worldwide at this stage. Yeah, very much so. Now you said to me during the week, I was asking you, of course, and we are all well aware of the impact of COVID in the United States and, and in New York and all like that. But you were you were able to tell me that uh, since the first of March, the players can go back training. Yeah, I allowed our tra- I allowed our lads back um, March first. Um, our numbers are really really good. Um, we did shut down. We actually played right up until the 13th of December. The weather, obviously, here has been has been better down through the years. Our December's are good, um, and it really doesn't start to get super cold until January. Um, yeah, so we took the Christmas, and obviously, for all the reasons along with that, with the the uh, potential risk of a, a spike, um, we shut down and we gave them a little time off. Um, and we had them back on March first. So um, for the most part, most of them are back out doing something. And what's um, the uh, what's the scene like in New York now, John? I know we can read it in the media or get it in the media. What's the scene like in New York now for yourselves in terms of day to day living? Um, yeah, look, we're not as re- look. There's still restrictions, and you still have to be extremely careful and cautious. Um, but I mean, it's, everything is pretty much opened. Um, I mean, there is a, a restriction on the number of people indoors. Um, as you would expect, um, but shops are opened. The bars in the city have just opened up, and the restaurants in the city have just opened up again. My heart breaks for them. Um, it's been a really rough ride for them for the last twelve months. No more than it has been for home, obviously. Of course. Um, but it is it is improving. I just saw. I was just checking my, the numbers there. I like to keep an eye on the numbers in New York State on a daily basis. I just checked them before I, I got your call. Um, I think it's like two point eight. Seven percent 
is our average at the moment. So we're under three percent, and we've been hold, and we're dropping. Hospitalization rates for you know for, have have dropped. In look, you do see that there's still people dying from from COVID on a daily basis. Um, but at least you're not seeing the hospitalization numbers rising as well as the death toll. You know, yeah. So it's still there. There's no question, but. The rollout of the vaccine has really picked up. Yonkers just opened up, whereas where I'm located, it just opened up um, the 4th. And I'm glad to say I got my first jab on on, on, on Thursday evening. So uh, I can tell you without any hesitation, uh, there was a huge sense of relief and the emotion was hard to explain. Uh, the tears just came. I can well imagine, uh, John. And yeah, John, in yeah. relation to a Gaelic Park, it's a place that obviously has a soft. I have a soft spot for Gaelic Park for reasons that you only know too well. It's w- wonderfully developed now, and there are further hopes now. Obviously, the COVID has has put a stop to things for the moment, but you're hoping to build up the the facilities there, the bar and restaurant facilities there that were once an integral part of that whole venue. Yeah, I mean, look at obviously anyone who knows Gaelic Park, they they. they the ballroom, the old ballroom as they call it in the bar, it was, um, it had outlived its sell-by date, no question and it needed to come down um, we have a beautiful facility um, getting ready to be built <laughs> this time last year I stopped the pile driver coming down the highway he was 20 minutes from Gaelic Park um, and I had to stop him on the road and turn him around, they had just shut down construction and then needless to say the trickle down effect on that afterwards, you know financially and stuff I would rather have money to do it and not you know have the stress uh, of worrying about where it's coming from I'd rather have you know be assured of our finances before we start anything so we started to put the project back into a phasing um, project so we'd start with we'll say the the pile foundation would be phase one and you know onwards from there and work as, as we get our finances in order. I just don't want to be carrying a deficit and I certainly don't want to be responsible for putting the, the association into or, or under any financial strain. Yeah, well, um, that's, uh, that, that's, that's good. That's good, sensible uh, sensible management. John, I yeah, know it, the, the GAS playing season now, not so much from this year, even though it will be more next year, goes into the split season, which is likely to make it very difficult for players to be going across to the US on, for instance, J1 visas. Now, maybe they go more to North America than to New York but have you given much thought to that yet because there's a chance that if they do go they might not be able to play for their own club at home for that particular year and and the J1 is part of a student's existence to be honest about it well look at the organisation I, I mean our, a lot of our players and, and Irish people in general are transients um, they like to travel um, and having the opportunity for a J visa or a J1 visa or a student visa or whatever um, you know has always been part of the makeup of, of, of the GEA, I guess, abroad, particularly in the United States. Uh, now, USGA do use the student player a lot more than we do. Our dependency on, we'll say, sanctioned player has reduced tremendously down through the years. I think we're at, I think, 2019, I think there was a total of 58, which is less than two players a county Sure. into New York. So I, I, I can I can hand on heart say that's the, you know that's where we want to be. We don't want to be dependent on the players coming out, but however they're welcome. Um, and it's in you know it's 
the sanction is there, it's available to the club, it's available to a player, but ultimately this fifth season will um, it will cause some issues. Not so much, I don't think, for New York, but I do believe USGA will have to revamp big time because um, they get a lot more sanctions. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Do. They use a lot more sanctions. Well, one of the things that you've done in New York, obviously, to help it that way, and, and you got a boost at Congress last weekend with the uh, reconstitution of the Junior Football Championship involving yeah. two teams from Britain, Kilkenny and New York. So, And New York players will be will be New York boarding players. And, and we should say that New York has been spectacularly successful in the fail of football. So lest anybody think that the New York natives coming over to play Gaelic football won't know much about the game, I think they're in for a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, we we put a lot of look at the youth division in, in New York has been hugely successful down through the years. And as I said to you in a chat earlier, that you know we saw um, a gap, and I guess the crossover, and we had to identify that, figure it out, find why, what was the reasoning other than college? Because a lot of our kids would would go to college. They could be cross country, um, and it could be a six hour plane ride away. It's not like they're in Dublin and they'd come down to Kerry or they're in Dublin and coming to Kilkenny and they can be there in a couple of hours. Like, I mean, you're talking about a, a, a fairly good stint of travel. But um, we did see the issue and we did address the issue and we started with the development programs um, at Senior Board. So we've been seeing huge success at that as well. Um, was there Friday night? We had 43 turned up and it was freezing. Let me tell you, it was freezing. Um, 43 turned up for development football and we had 26 for Hurling um, in the hour prior. Fantastic. So, you know, and and how is, just on that, how is the hurling scene in New York now, Joan? Because, I mean, Kilkenny had a team there out, I think they're out in Long Island perhaps, I'm not sure, and uh, or Jer- Jersey it was, out in Jersey. Jersey, yeah. yeah. How is the hurling um, scene there it, now? It's it's improving it's improving yearly. I mean, you can see growth. Can you believe in the middle of a pandemic, uh, we've six new teams this year, and one of them is hurling. Yeah, doesn't surprise me because Coming clubs in. here in Ireland never had no had never as bigger numbers going to train than they had during the pandemic because they could go nowhere else. Yeah, well, I think it just goes back to the ethos of the organisation, um, and I think it goes back to what we stand for, and I think people lost sight of it uh, for a long time. The benefits of having a club and the benefits of having that socialization and, you know, kids can walk down the road and, and into the local football fields and kick around and you've got um, a kick around with your friends, you're playing games, you've got that whole community spirit that goes around the association. I think that got lost for a long time, not with those of us that were involved, but I think the general, maybe the spectator and stuff saw it in a different way but and, and, and only looked at the elite level of our organisation as opposed to what we were about. Sure, well look, we're, we're nearly out of time, Joan. Joan, you're obviously from Kerry because listeners might be wondering and of course you had a great mentor in the late John Reardon who was an institution in New York GA. Yes, and dearly missed to this day. Yeah, great guy, I had a great ago. time from, yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah, was, he, 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 he was never he was never slowed off to help the old Kerry team uh, get through difficult times <laughs> out there. <laughs> he was a great man. I, I, listen, if you needed anything or ever wanted anything, regardless of whether you put on a Kerry jersey or not, John was always there to help the Irish coming coming in, and he didn't care where you came from. Needless to say, if you put on the jersey, you were even wear, way more respected. But uh, 
yeah, he was a, he was uh, he was the powerhouse of our uh, of our club for a number of years. Of course, and like I said, he's dear, he's dearly missed by everybody. And of course, was also missed was a great friend of mine too, the late Seamus Dooley, yeah. who actually ran ran Kelly Park morning tonight. He, yes, and if you didn't, and if you didn't get the credit for it, you heard about it too. So, yeah, <laughs> poor Seamus, we lost him late in the in the season. Um, I don't think people will feel the actual effects of that until this season when you're not hearing him running around screaming at you to get the games on and get out of the dressing room. Sure. And, you know, all the stuff that Seamus was known for. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we we already miss him. We just started having some of our in-person officers meetings there last week. It was our first one in a while. And, um, yeah, you just missed him. Okay. Um, and you, you can still hear him, you know? Sure. Joan, I really appreciate you taking time. It was a lovely chat. Thank well done to you. Done the fantastic time. job you're doing there. And please, God, we will get back to Gaelic Park someday in the not-too-distant future. Please, God, stay safe. All right, John. Everything will start picking up at home. Thanks, John. Take care. Bye now. Bye now. That was John Henchy, all the way from Tarbert and Kerry there, over in New York, running the show and doing a hell of a good job on it. We're near the end of the programme now. Just a couple of things. I see where a ticket for the Bloody Sunday uh, game was sold for 7,000 at auction recently. So there you go now. And sad to report the death of a two-time All-Ireland winner with Tipperary, Tom Lockney. New Tom from Kilran McDonough's Club. Uh, Sad to see him uh, die during the last few days. And Michal Nocton from Donegal, he's taken over from Mary Hickey as the new president of the Ladies Gaelic Football Association at the weekend. And another man who died who was he put more pitches in around the country is Pacho Pronti maybe up in the north more than anybody else ok that's it thanks to all who joined me this evening in a busy and packed programme Joe Burton coming up next with the best in country and Irish uh, we'll be back tomorrow night there'll be a lot on the uh, Camogie All-Stars tomorrow night on the TC Thurs World of Gaelic Games and until then and until we chat again next week for, to you all thanks for listening Slán Agus Bana.